0: Thank you, Ben. It is a joy and a pleasure to be with you all this morning. Let's open in a word of prayer. Do you mind? Let's pray. Father, we invite your spirit, which is present, to rest on us today, just to meet us wherever we are in the journey that you have called us to. We just welcome you here, and we ask for your blessing. So please, Lord, bless us this morning as we also go from this place. So in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Yes, uh, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Ben introduced this sermon series that we are in uh, with a really important question. He asked, what if God has a purpose for your whole week, your Monday, all the way through Saturday, and what if that purpose is to join with God in making all things new? joining with God in healing relationships and places and economies and even creation itself. Uh, so Pastor Ben's invited us as a community over the next few weeks to remember that we are called to make a difference by being a part of God's story of recreation, to be a part of what God wants to do in the redemption of all things. And so we give thanks for Sunday that we get to gather here, be encouraged, be supported, experience the presence of God, but we also give thanks for Monday, because on Monday and every other day of the week, we join with him to bring forth the kingdom of God in our homes, our places of work and play. Amen. So there's a a quote I wanted to open with from Leslie Newbegin, a famous missionary who says this, the church is the bearer to all the nations of a gospel that announces the kingdom, the reign, and the sovereignty of God. It is not meant to call men and women out of the world into a safe religious enclave, but to call them out in order to send them back as agents of God's kingship. And so we gather, like today, And then we scatter because we've been called, wherever you are, whatever you do, whoever you are, to make a difference in the world. So today is a day, hopefully, I get to encourage you uh, with a couple of stories. So basically sharing two stories, uh, one from the story of Jacob that we'll read momentarily from Genesis 28, and then from my own story as well. And I'm inviting us to explore what it means for God to meet us in ordinary places, the places we find ourselves throughout the week, where we live, work, and play. And uh, I want to remind us that um, those are the places we are spending most of our time, most of our waking hours, right, at the home, in the office, or your home office, or your coffee office. Or maybe you're a student, you're in the classroom, or maybe you're out playing on the weekends and on the field. But all of these places, they represent to us the locations that we are scattered to. And each of them, if you think about it right, has a small community that's around it. It has its own rhythms. It has its own activities. So I'm inviting you this morning to think about that kind of place. So maybe an easy way to say that is tomorrow at this time, where will you be? Where and what will you be doing? Hold that place in mind as we go into this message today. Because those places, yes, may be ordinary, but they're also places that I remind us God desires to transform. God desires to see those places healed, restored, restored. So I'd like to uh, invite our reader up this morning as we explore from uh, from Genesis 28 today, the story of Jacob, um, as we'll draw on that story and, again, my story of forming Rosebud Coffee. Uh, So let me invite Scott to uh, read for us this morning.
1: Genesis 28, starting in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway reaching onto earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the word of God.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank goodness the Bible is full of ordinary characters like Jacob. You might remember from Sunday school, right? Jacob, the son of Isaac and Rebecca, the grandson of Sarah and Abraham, is not a model character, not someone yet to emulate, right? Because since his birth, he's been striving to get to the top. He's born a few seconds after his brother Esau grasping at his heel, foreshadowing their troubled relationship, right? And it doesn't take long for Jacob to take advantage of his older brother by tricking him to sell his birthright for lentil soup, I think lentil soup. I don't like lentil soup, so. But for soup, I mean, I think, right, remember that story, right? When Esau, he's out in the field. He's doing what he loves. He's hunting. He comes back. He's famished. He's so hungry. And there's his brother, Jacob, right? Take advantage of him. He convinces Esau to sell his birthright, right? His status to receive uh, the family heritage all for some food, Now, I'm not sure if Jacob is just like the ultimate salesman or Esau super naive. I'm not sure, but what I do know, Jacob knows what he wants, and he goes after it. Right? His name, Jacob, literally means he grabs by the heel, or in modern language, I think you could say, go-getter. He's an achiever. He's going to get what he's after. And then we think of Jacob even later on in the Scripture And the story takes even a darker turn, right? Under his mother's uh, lead, he goes to deceive his his father to actually take on the blessing that he stole from his brother, right? He covers himself in Esau's clothes, he puts on some goat skin on his arms, and on his neck, he wants to make sure he smells and feels like his brother because his father now nearly blind uh, is an easy way to trick him. He also prepares a meal that he has prepared from the wilderness, right? Some game as another way to uh, make sure that the food presented represents his brother. He walks, uh, sets this trap for his father who walks right into it and offers now Jacob this blessing that was reserved for his eldest son. Again, not someone yet to emulate. (laughs) And obviously, right, whatever relationship was left between Jacob and Esau is now just torn completely apart. That relationship is done. Jacob doesn't have many options, right? He either has to flee or face the wrath of his older brother. Now, his parents, realizing what had happened and the trick that was played, they convince Jacob to return to the original homeland of Abraham where Rebekah, Jacob's mother, her uncle, or I mean her brother, so his uncle resides, and to start his life all over again. His parents bless him again, this time to go to leave his home and to go settle in this other place with his uncle and to start his life over. So he goes with that blessing And then something happens as he's sent out, as he scatters. He's on his way. And as we heard read, God shows up. If we dive a little deeper into the text here, verse 10 and 11, I'll reread. says, Jacob left Beersheba, set out to Haran. And when he reached a certain place, so it's not named, it's just a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set And taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep. You'll notice here that Jacob stops in this place that has no name. It's just a certain place. It's nowhere in particular. It's some place between where he was and where he was going. It's this place in between, right? A place between um, his past and the future that awaits him. And in that place, kind of in between, God shows up. In a dream. I want to pause on that for a second, right? I mean, how many times have we found ourselves in these in-between places? Now, it may be a transition that you're going through in life, or it may actually just be the place you are in day after day. But that place feels like a place in between dreams. It's a place in which you may have experienced something in the past, nothing is changing, and you're waiting for a better future, and so you still show up day after day. and You may be asking yourself questions like, what am I doing here? Why am I showing up more than just to collect maybe a paycheck or finish school and graduate? Maybe you felt like there's more to the work week than just waiting for the weekend. Maybe you're also like Jacob, waiting in a place between dreams. I know for myself, I have been in that kind of transition before. So sharing a little bit from my own story, back in 2009, I was in a similar state to Jacob in this in-between place. At that time, it was a time when I was experiencing being very vulnerable. I was alone, um, didn't have any family around. It's also a very painful situation I was in. I was down in Escondido, so not too far south from here. I was in between pastoral appointments, having been in one church, and now not having a church and waiting for the next, as I was healing from a painful divorce and waiting for what was next. My dream of pastoring a church after seminary had come crashing down quite quickly as my young marriage fell apart. I didn't know what to do next. And my friends down there had a Christian school. They said, hey, Dan, you can come teach middle school. We've got seventh grade available for you. I realized, oh, man, I've got purgatory to go through. (laughs) Nothing against middle school teachers. And side note, God does redeem because I volunteer here in the middle school. So, But there I was, really just waiting for God to show up, to meet me in that place in between, waiting for the next dream for the next call. And one night, God showed up. One night, I did receive a dream. One night, again, no particular place or time, I hear God's voice. And there's a voice, an invitation to come to Pasadena to reopen a historic church here. Now, I'd only been to Pasadena a couple of times visiting when I was uh, pastoring further down. And I guess the place left a mark on me. But all I know is the Spirit said, Dan, it's time. It's time to go again. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on that story of coming here. But I will say God gave confirmation along the way. And then I landed here. Uh, One of the confirmations, by the way, was um, uh, Sam, my wife, Samantha. Samantha who I was dating at the time, was actually willing to take the risk and move up to Pasadena with me. Uh, and now she's serving here today as the V Kids Elementary pastor. So that was one gift. You'll have to maybe ask her after the service like what she was thinking uh, in taking that risk and coming up here, because none of us had lived here before. We didn't know anyone. We just landed. Uh, but what I want to say and remind us is that wherever we are, when God does meet us, uh, He gives us a story to tell about what has happened and how he has shown up along the way. So I'm going to pause for a second before I share that story of what took place when we arrived, just to remind us and encourage all of us that God does meet you if you're in in in-between place or you're in your Monday through Friday rhythm. God does meet you wherever you are. He does show up. And you may be in between right now your past and your future, but God has not forgotten you. It may be an ordinary place, uh, but like Jacob, God does arrive. You see, the dream that Jacob receives when he's sleeping in that place, uh, and it's just kind of interesting, he has this rock for a pillow. It's a dream that gives him a vision of this redeemed future. And in that dream, he sees right As the spirit reveals this staircase that's climbing into the heavens, and it's this image that's to evoke the Mesopotamian towers that were these ramp like structures. They served as this divine sanctuary where heaven and earth meet. So the dream, it indicates that the place he finds himself, because God has showed up and God will, is a place that you can now call holy, a place you can set apart. It's no longer just a certain place. It's a redeemed place. It's a place in which God says, here I am. Come, follow me. Right, Jacob, he wakes up from that dream and he realizes how awesome is it. He says, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not even aware of it. How many times for us, Monday through Saturday, do we go to the places we go and God is present and we're not even aware? God is with us and we don't take the time to listen, to pay attention. Because we know that wherever we are, He is with us, waiting to reveal what He has. I know when I showed up then in 2009, I was really overwhelmed by the challenge of coming to Pasadena and restarting a church. Uh, I desperately needed God's presence. I desperately needed God to show up. Uh, Moving to Pasadena and reopen a church with 120 year old history was not without its major challenges. Uh, And the very first challenge I encountered was just finding a place to call home. Uh, The church has two parsonages. At the time. One uh, was rented out and the other was kind of, I don't want to say abandoned, but it was in need of restoration. It was a a small home that was being used to uh, house youth that were kind of also in transition, foreshadowing surprisingly what was to come. And I want to show you what it first looked like when we arrived with scribbling on the wall and just a mess. And so we prayed, God, show up, be with us, walk with us. And uh, Sam and I, friends, family, we slowly begin to work on it. And after three months of uh, hard, hard work, uh, we are able to restore that place, move in, call it home, start our family, and then begin to replant the church. Another example, as we did this kind of restoration uh, in each room of the church, here's an example of what it was like in the conference room when we first arrived. Um, And then this is what we ended up with after that time of hard work and restoration. You see, as we become aware of God's presence, we not only remember that God is with us wherever we are, but when God shows up, God blesses us to do this work of restoration. God blesses us with the resources, with the calling to make this happen, right? So as Jacob is in that dream and he's watching these messengers go up and down the staircase or the ramp or whatever you have in your mind, uh, it's unusual in this story because these messengers are all there, but none of them speak. None of them say anything to Jacob. Instead, it's God Himself who speaks. And what does He say? He offers a blessing. He blesses Jacob with the same blessing that was given to Abraham, his grandfather, and Isaac, his father, right? That blessing that his countless descendants will cover the land. They'll spread out like the dust on the earth from the east to the west, and all the peoples will be blessed because of his offspring. And the Lord promises to never leave him, ever, until he has fulfilled that promise to Jacob, What a gift to Jacob, right, this go-getter, this person who's willing to do it by himself, the one that's really gonna take advantage of others to succeed and climb the ladder. God shows up, gives him a dream, speaks to him, and blesses him. (laughs) Wow, that means any of us, wherever we are, (laughs) can be met by God and receive that same blessing. I remind us, pause here, right, wherever we are, when God meets us, God blesses us. God meets us in those day-to-day routines, in those times of transitions, or maybe you're up against a great challenge, but he shows up to bless you. He blesses you so that you might be a blessing to others. Right, what does Jacob do next? He takes that pillar, right, his pillow, the rock, he sets it up, he anoints it with oil, and he calls this place a holy place, and he sets it aside. He does that so that others who follow will remember he met God there, and they may also meet God there as well. It's a reminder of that blessing. Later on in, um, in the history of Israel, right, that becomes known as, as Bethel, the house of God, and that's a site for northern Israel where they gather. That's where they worship often. Right, so we have to remember that as God arrives, God shows up wherever we are. There's this blessing, but it's a blessing in order to bless others. So as I shared those stories, like examples of the restoration that was happening at the parsonage at the church, the next thing that happened was God calling us to bless others. You see, when I first arrived there, there were youth that were sleeping in the church parking lot. During the day, they would head out over to Pasadena City College, and that's where they would blend in, find the amenities they need. But at night, they needed a safe place, and so the church parking lot was where they landed. And I did what was usual, right? Here's some food. Here's some shelter. How can we assist? But I realized that there was something more we could do for that blessing to extend. And in the fellowship hall, there's an old coffee cart, so God called us to restore that take that coffee cart and begin a job training program for the youth experiencing homelessness or exiting the foster system. And before long, Rose City Coffee then eventually needs to sustain itself as we're training these youth. And so we open Rosebud Coffee as this place in which we get to begin to bless others. You see, even the finding of Rosebud, the location was an act of God calling us into this blessing, the community. I don't know if there's another picture there, but um, when I arrived looking for a location, we found a place, a block that was really half empty. The storefront's no longer having tenants in it. And there was this other business called Chirp that was actually going under, and they needed out of their lease. So we came in, we took over the lease, um, and then after a long time, a lot of work, uh, five, six years later, we have a new place Um, That's also shared with, with another company. But that example, again, is that is God blessing and making this work possible so that we can continue the work to bless others. Right, Rosebud as a social enterprise, it not only is transforming the lives of the youth that we train in coffee, but it does so much more than that. For many years, we used it as a place for events and activities to support the local community But we've also been on the forefront of raising the minimum wage in Pasadena. We've hired youth into livable wages. Uh, We've made sure that the youth we bring on may uh, have not had any experience at all or in need of a second chance are given that second chance. We have a team that creates that kind of grace so that they can learn the trade. Uh, We've also made sure that all the coffee we source is ethically sourced. It's sustainable coffee. Um, And we've even launched a few businesses out of the place. Um, You guys might all know a very popular site now, Car Chocolate. Um, I don't know if you guys have been there yet for their pastries, the best chocolate pastry in town. (laughs) Car Chocolate was, Car Harris was with us for almost a year before he launched out of Rosebud to set up his own shop. Again, this is just examples of how as soon as you, receive God's blessing it's there to be poured out to be given to others and in that you get to watch these places transform and change so Jacob sets that place aside as a reminder that God has met him and blessed him and he goes off he marries gets tricked along the way but that's another story but he gains great wealth And then God finally calls him home. He tells him to come back. But I wanted to, before I talk about the return, just remind us here that as God meets us and blesses us, we do have a response as well. And that response is to name and mark the encounter. Now, how we respond, that's going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And what the Lord is gonna tell you, because that's very contextual to what you hear and where you are. But we are to listen and respond by marking it and naming it. Right? Jacob names the place Bethel, and then he marks it with that pillar. So, how you're called to mark and rename, may the Spirit lead you in that. But maybe it's a way that you just do it simply in prayer or in sharing a testimony. Or maybe it's in the way you change the way you do business each day. Maybe you give it a name like Rosebud and mark it as a business for social good. Um, But either way, we respond so that we know and remember God has met us. And also, it can be a marker for those that follow that God will meet them there too. So some good news for us today. And it's twofold, actually. Wherever we are, God will meet us, God will bless us. And when God encounters us in that place, we can set it apart, we can mark it, we can name it. But I have some more, even greater news to share. Right, today I want to remind us that it's not as much that we are blessed when those places we are transform and change, but the real transformation that takes place It's not in the location. It's not in the restoration or the renovation. The real transformation, right? It takes place in the people. My own journey, just being here to share my story, that is God at work redeeming me, bringing restoration in my life. That's the transformation That takes place. Rosebud, the youth. That's why we do it. Another picture here for you. It's for them. It's for their lives. Think of Kimberly, a foster youth. She now works as an intern chef at Disney. Where Emma In transition, has now found a a place to call home and a job with Harris Carr making those very popular chocolate pastries. (laughs) Or I think of Trinity moving from one halfway house to another, from one foster home to another, now has her very own place in LA. All her own. Right? You see, the real transformation is what they carry in them. That's the good news, right? That that same transformation, yes, in the places we work, awesome. The renovations that can happen, yes, awesome. But it's really the transformation in us. So I remind us, it doesn't matter where you are on your journey, God will meet you. God will show up. God will give you a dream. He will call out to you. So please respond, mark it, name it. Remember that even you may be a go-getter like Jacob, right? Willing to go after whatever it is you've got to go after and God will still show up and meet you in an ordinary place. And so I close with reminding us about what happened to Jacob, right? He is called home. To finish that promise God had given him. And God shows up and meets him again. <laughs> but this time, when God shows up, it's not in a dream, it's in flesh and blood. Right? Remember that story? An unnamed challenger shows up and begins to wrestle with Jacob. And they wrestle all night long until Jacob is completely exhausted, but yet he still won't give up. And this challenger realizes that, so finally the challenger hits him in the hip. I don't know what that means, but hits him in, he cries out in pain, and he knows he's at the end, but what does he do, Jacob? He cries out in that desperation, and he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. But this time... The blessing that's taking place, it's within Jacob. He's the one that's changing. He's the one that's transforming. And God says to him, look, your name is no longer Jacob. And what that history means. Your name is now Israel. And God marks him, right? Because after that, Jacob always walks with a limp. There was another time that God showed up, not in a dream, but in flesh and blood. But this time, right, for the sake of us all. Remind us 2,000 years ago, he arrived to meet us and to bless all of humanity with his kingdom. He showed up. He gathered his disciples. He renamed them. He marked them. He set them forth to bring forth his kingdom. And along the way, wherever he went, he brought forth heaven and earth to meet, to redeem, to restore all these places that he went. And then upon his return home, he sent the gift of his spirit, the ongoing presence of his spirit. And now that mission we're called into continues as we receive his spirit with us wherever we are each day the gift of the spirit to bring heaven into these ordinary places within us ordinary people. So I close by saying, wherever you are today, be reminded he will meet you. He will bless you, invite you to respond by marking and naming that, but I invite you to let the Holy spirit transform, not just the place you're in, but also you, and the people that are around you. So may God meet you and bless you as he calls you by name and as he marks you as his own. Amen.